Amen. Thank you, James. I think the key for me is going to be not knocking that water over that I've got there. I've got a bit of a, bit of a croaky voice, so the water is necessary. Um, I'll put it there. Maybe less chance there. So I'm um, not going to use the mic, if that's okay. Can you hear me at the moment? I heard a no then. Did I hear a no? <laughs> is that you, Akin? <laughs> hey, it's... <laughs> It's good to be back. It's good to be back. To be amongst family and friends. Akin as well. It's good to be back. <laughs> We've missed some of that. What was the weather like this morning, Akin? You were on welcome, weren't you? Wasn't that great, was it? Akin, when I was here and I was on welcome, we used to have this thing with Akin that whenever I was on welcome, it was sunny. And whenever he was, it wasn't sunny. Oh, I didn't try and make anything of it, of course. I wasn't trying to say anything there, but it wasn't sunny. No, it is. It's good to be back um, here this morning. Thank you. What, what I'm going to do um, is just share a kind of personal testimony with you this morning, something that... Um, God has laid on my heart that first of all was for me and for Di and for our family but in preparation it felt that it was something that I would share with you as well Um, because some of of what I'm going to share is common to us all my situation circumstances are mine they're not the same as yours yet some of the principles with how our faith and our circumstances and our situations how they interconnect They are the same. Different situation, but faith at work. There are some principles in that. And and that's what I really want to share with you this morning. Um, So, um, six months ago I was here with you. Six months, almost to the day, the first Sunday in May. Um, Okay, we'll have that one. Um, That's right, we're we're one ahead, but that's great. Yeah. Um, So, the first Sunday in May I was here. That's six months ago Today, And I just want to tell you very briefly about the six months that's been my life since being with you here six months ago. Because in the last six months, I think I have experienced some of the happiest days of my life and some of the saddest days of my life. In, in the last six months, there have been both the best of times and the worst of times. Some of the hardest of days we've experienced, I've experienced, and we as a family have experienced. But actually also, not only some of the hardest of times, but some of the most hopeful of times as well. And I just want to share with you something that has kind of held us, both in the good, but also in the bad. And that's where I want to share this morning. And, and, and you know, we're a small group together Let's just travel together. Um, And as I say, some of this is just circumstances that are unique to us, but the principles um, will be the same. Um, So this year, um, as a family, we went away for a couple of weeks, and we had just the best holiday of our lives. Certainly for me, I think it was probably dies as well. We've got three grown-up children. They're all in their 20s. And um, they came with us, which was great, because just getting the five of us together, mum and dad and the three kids, doesn't happen very often. And we had two weeks away together, and we had the sun of the Mediterranean, we went away to Menorca, and, um, you know, it was great that they were prepared to come. Um, I think 
we were paying for the family. I don't know why they decided to come. We were paying for the, for the uh, holiday, but they decided to come. Then we said, you get yourself there and everything else will be there. And they came. And we had just two weeks of just family together. So much happiness. Um, the family, uh, just for Di and I, watching our three kids interacting together, just seeing brothers and sisters, loving one in, uh, each other, kind of sharing life together. The sun was out. You can imagine, can't you? You know, what it was like. Um, I, we were away from a busy work schedule, and there was time to relax, time for Di and I to spend time together. We would walk early in the morning together. We prayed together. And those were two very special weeks, being renewed kind of physically, emotionally. For me, those weeks were, were special as well because I found time to write. I found time to journal. Early in the morning, I would read God's word and it was coming fresh to me. And I would write what I felt God was saying. And I was filling up a book with, the, with my thoughts and, and that sense of, of, of what God was doing. Those kind of days are, are rich days. Um, aware, as, as we were away, that actually, not that far away, back in this country, two of our closest family members, their health was a real concern. And as we were away, just also aware for them of a different set of circumstances, and hearts going out to them, um, as kind of just aware that whilst this was happening for us, Loved ones were going through quite a different trial at that particular time. Um, when we came back, um, those kind of words were there. They were, they were great. Um, towards the end of August, um, we were in our, uh, in our, we call them life groups, small groups. And um, as we were kind of just reflecting, I really felt God say something to me about this verse up here that I had never seen before. So this verse up here is probably the verse that I quote most of all when talking to somebody or preaching or teaching. This verse is featured more in my kind of um, vocabulary than I think any other verse in the Bible. John 10 verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And as we were just there in that group, I felt God say something to me about this that I'd never seen before. And it was this. It was that life to the full meant both the heights and the depths. That he had come that we may have life in the heights when everything is well, but that he was there for us in the depths when things weren't well. That we could know him and his provision and his love and his care, and his presence, when everything was going well. But equally, he was there that we may know life in its full. That in the depths, that at times where we needed something beyond ourselves, he would be there with his love, with his care, and with his provision. I think it was four days later... I got the news that my sister-in-law had passed away. Sorry, it's, it's, still, it's still hard. Uh, my brother's wife. Well, our families had grown up together, and uh, we loved each other as families. Our children grew up, cousins. And uh, we'd journeyed with my brother and Pat, his wife, 
a diagnosis of bowel cancer and we prayed and we'd walked and we believed and then uh, she'd done so well and then suddenly things had changed and uh, she was taken and that kind of brought us into a time of finding a provision you, you with me? This is now, we're not beside a swimming pool in Mediterranean sun. We're in the depths of sadness. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life in all its fullness. Could we find him? Could we find his love, his care, his provision in the depths? And my testimony is that we can, and we did. And two weeks later, my father passed away. Uh... So, in the middle of that time, once again, just sensing God's love and provision in that. So, my sister-in-law, my father, loved Jesus. And there was that sense I was asked to take both funerals, to speak at my sister-in-law's funeral, to lead the committal service at the crematorium, to go to the graveside where my father was being buried and to leave that and then to preach, to speak afterwards just to find something of faith, something of God's provision, something of God's care, both at the heights but at the depths as well. To find that he is the one who is there with us, that we may live life and know him in the heights and in the depths also. I don't know where you are this morning, I don't know if... You're on the heights and you're soaring and you're running. And that's great. But it may not be that case for you this morning. You may not be feeling as if you're running. You may be feeling that you're struggling to to walk. He is here for you today with his provision. Um, John Stott, uh, an author, uh, a well-known Anglican minister worldwide teacher, um, he said that in his opinion, the brand image of the Christian, what is the image that epitomizes a Christian the most? If you could take an image, what would it be? And he said in his opinion, the brand image of the Christian is somebody kneeling with their hands cupped ready to receive communion. That was the image that he said epitomizes a Christian. Someone kneeling, ready to receive. I was blessed, Mike, seeing you there this morning as we worshipped. I don't know if you saw Mike kneeling, receiving, opening his heart to the Lord. Um, I want to, my testimony this morning to you is I want to commend to you Kneeling at times to receive. Let me tell you, there's nothing passive about kneeling. There's nothing passive about coming before the Lord, kneeling before him with hands cupped, ready to receive. It takes faith to kneel, to receive. It takes strength, it takes courage to come into that place to receive. It takes a decision to say, I am where I am. I will come. I will kneel. 
I will receive from the one who is the provider in the heights and in the depths. Sure, you know, in the Bible, um, God's people are sometimes depicted as running the race. So in Hebrews 12, there's that picture of running the race. Sure, in God's word, God's people are depicted as those who fight the fight. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. God's word, we're sometimes referred as those who soar on wings like eagles. In Isaiah 40, 31. And sure, at times we are those who shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 47 verse 1. But I don't know today, you may not be running, you may not be fighting, you may not be soaring, you may not be shouting. But today, we can come as those who kneel to receive in faith that he is the one who provides for us. I have found him, I have found him, I've learned from him, I've received from him, I've been renewed in him. In those depths. And today I commend to you. Today. Wherever you feel you may be. You can come. And kneel before him. And receive. All that you need. Those promises that we heard. As we praised God this morning. We don't have to strive and run. And soar and fight. We do have to come. In faith. Kneel and receive from him. Do you know the truth is as Christians, the fact is this, kneeling and receiving is where it begins. Do you know you must kneel before you can run? You must kneel before you can fight. You must kneel before you can soar. And you must kneel before you can shout. It starts here with kneeling. The journey of faith begins here. I'm going to put up the picture that I kind of got that kind of epitomizes that. Somebody there, you have to imagine they're kneeling, but there they are, kneeling with hands cupped. When you kneel with hands cupped, the first thing is to surrender. I remember a day... um, Many years ago, I won't tell you how many years ago, I was nine years of age. You can, if you go any more than 30, I'll be offended. No. (laughs) Um, A few years ago, um, it'll be 50 years ago next year, um, I remember, brought up in a Christian family, brought up to know about the Lord Jesus, the one who gave himself for me, the one who through faith, through acceptance, would forgive my sin. As a Christian, a little boy growing up in that Christian family, I remember hearing the good news of Jesus. But I also remember, age nine, kneeling beside my bed and asking Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. It begins, the Christian life begins on our knees. By faith, we kneel in order to receive. It's a place of surrender. Um, Charlotte Elliott wrote a beautiful hymn in 1835. It's an old one. <coughs> it was good to sing new songs this morning. 
In 1835, Charlotte Elliott wrote a hymn that said, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and thou didst bid me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. A hymn of surrender. Charlotte Elliott, as a young woman, was at the house of some friends, and a well-known minister was there. And they were eating together, and the minister said to her, Are you a follower of Jesus? And apparently Charlotte was um, offended by that question. Why would you ask me that? But that question wouldn't leave her. And she went home, and that question became to her a driver. What, what, you know, am I a follower of Jesus? Have I found Jesus? Am I following Jesus And that question would not let her rest. And three weeks later, she saw that minister again. And she said to him, how do I come to Christ? Some burden in her heart would not go away. Am I a follower of Jesus? She longed to find him. She knew that she wasn't a follower of Jesus. And she said to him, how do I come to Christ? And he said, just come to him as you are. She went home and she wrote that hymn, Just As I Am, that hymn of surrender, Just As I Am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and thou didst bid me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within Without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot. To thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind. Sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yea, all I need in thee to find O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relief. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. It starts with surrender. I want to say um, to just to, to us this morning, you know, I wouldn't want to take it for granted that We all have kind of come to that place. But today, if you've never come to that place of surrender, you've never come to that place, you've tried to run, you've tried to fight, you've tried to soar, you've tried to shout with everybody else. But today, you've never come to that place where it all begins to come to Jesus, to kneel and to receive, to surrender. Then today is that opportunity to surrender, to come to him. It always starts here. It's also always the place to come back to. It's the place of renewal. It's the place of renewal for me in these last few weeks to come back to that place of kneeling to receive. I was really um, blessed by a story that I kind of picked up on YouTube fairly recently. I was Listening to um, Ravi Zacharias, I don't know if you, any of you know him. He's a, another well-known speaker. Kind of one or two nods. He's a 
Canadian-American who, again, has written many books and speaks all over the world. He's what's called a Christian apologetic. Is that the right word? He writes apologetics. He defends the gospel with, with, with huge wisdom and insight and is able to bring God's word with great clarity against some of the huge arguments of those who want to prove God. He's a, an incredibly anointed speaker. And I was listening to uh, something and he spoke of a story of, of back in the 1970s when he was in Vietnam. So for those of you who know history, um, back in Vietnam when America was in that part of the world and the war started in uh, Vietnam and the Americans were caught up in a war between communism in the north of Vietnam and they eventually uh, left Vietnam after a terrible time of conflict. Well, Ravi as a young man was over there teaching. He was invited to come and he spoke all over Vietnam before the Americans withdrew. And um, with him was a young man, a 17-year-old translator, a Vietnamese guy. And they became close friends. In fact, Ravi described him as a brother. They kind of uh, grew together as they traveled. And the Vietnamese uh, young man would translate for him. And then the Americans withdrew and Ravi le uh, left. Um, and uh, the young man was, remained in Vietnam. And because of his connections with the Americans, um, it was thought that he worked for the CIA and he was arrested. And he was imprisoned in Vietnam by the Viet Cong, by the communist regime in Vietnam, um, because of his connections with the Americans. And for um, years he was imprisoned in a brutal regime. And each day he would get up to pray. Um, but whilst he was in prison, he was not allowed to read anything in English. He was only stuff that prisoners were allowed uh, access to was Marxist, was Marx writings and Engels writings. They were being indoctrinated into that way of thinking. And for years, Ravi, uh, Ravi's friend um, withheld. And then um, in, a, in a time of despair, he kind of, he, 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 he said to himself, this is it. I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way anymore. And he decided that the following day, when he got up, it would be the first day that he didn't pray. It would be the first day that he would live without a focus on God. And so he got up that day and he didn't pray. He found that he had been assigned to cleaning the toilets in the prison that day. And so he went into the latrines and uh, apparently this was just about the worst of all jobs that there were for prisoners. In what was a harsh and brutal regime, this epitomized the worst. And here he was the first day without praying, the first day without sensing his, his love and his connection with God. And apparently he cleaned the latrines and one of the jobs he had to do was empty the baskets where the, where the loo roll was. And he noticed as he was doing that a piece of paper that was in English and his eyes saw it. And so he took it out and he washed it. And this damp piece of paper in English, he put it in his pocket and he thought, I'll look at that when I get back to his cell, to his dormitory. And that he did. And when, um, at the end of the day, he got this damp piece of paper out and he uncurled it 
And what he found was it was a piece of the New Testament. It was a piece from Romans chapter 8. And as he uncurled it, this is what he read. He read these words, In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He read on the words that said, Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He fell on his knees and came back in repentance to be renewed. That was the day he had decided He couldn't do it anymore. And that was the day God said, I have a word for you. I am here. You cannot be separated from my love. No matter what, no height, no depth, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing separates us. Back on our knees. It's where it begins, but it's where it continues. And again, I don't know how far you may be, but today is a day Perhaps a day of surrender, but it's also a day of renewal. It's a day to once again hear that God is for you. In the heights, yes, we can run and soar. But in the depths, he is there for us and nothing can separate us from God's love. The next day, apparently he went back to the tree. He went into that basket, another piece of paper. It was, it was Romans chapter 9. And he found that one of the officers was using a New Testament for toilet paper. And for every day, for many days, he was led in devotion as he was hungry for God's word. He found God's word in the most bizarre and the depths of places. Um, he was released from prison. You've got to, you can, you, you, um, go on YouTube for Ravi Zacharias, a Vietnamese friend, and it'll come up, his story. He was released from prison, now living for God, and he and some other people built a boat to escape from Vietnam. They wanted to head to Thailand. The boat was finished. They were about to go, and he had a knock on the door. And there were four Vietnamese soldiers there. And they said, we have heard that you are trying to escape. Is that true? And apparently the challenge was there. What do I say? And he said, no, I'm not trying to escape. And they said, are you sure we've heard? And he said, no, I'm not trying to escape. They left. God's spirit spoke to him and said, you you live for me. And he made a promise that he hoped he wouldn't have to keep. He said, if they come back, I'll tell them the truth. The next day, they came back. Knocked on his door and said, we've heard you're trying to escape. Is it true? He said, yes, it's true. Are you going to take me back to prison? They said, no, we want to come with you. (laughs) And they too, now it gets even better. They too escaped. On that boat, they came into a storm. There were four men who knew how to sail a boat and save their lives. It was those four soldiers. They were there. They got to Thailand. And you can can hear more about it. Um, So it's a place of renewal. 
on our knees. It takes faith, please. It's not passive. It's not easy to decide just to come back to him. Simply to bow and to open our hands and say, Lord, for you. For you. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of renewal. But also it's a place of commissioning. It's where it ends, you know. It ends on our knees. Have you read that one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow? Do you know? It might start there. It might be where we need to be for renewal. It will end there. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, warriors will kneel. One day, servants will kneel. One day, kings will kneel. And so for us, you know, better to kneel from devotion than from duty. Better to kneel from delight than from demand. Better to kneel from choice rather than from compulsion. Better to kneel and rest than to stand and resist. So I commend to you today the essential posture of kneeling and receiving. You know, um, have you heard of David Livingstone, the African missionary? David Livingstone in the 19th century, who walked 29,000 miles in his life as a missionary, travelled light in Africa, proclaimed the gospel to thousands of villages, fought the slave trade. As a young man, he prayed this prayer. He prayed on his knees, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any ties that tie, uh, sorry, sever any ties but the ties that bind me to your service and to your heart. And David Livingstone said that when he prayed that prayer, he heard God say to him, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. The great commission that he is with us as we go. It's on our knees that we receive from him. And know that as we are on our knees, he promises he is with us even to the end of the age. He has come that I, that you may have life and life in all its fullness. And so today, may you just as you are. Know the release of simply coming, kneeling, and receiving. May you know the freedom of surrender. May you be renewed in God's love and care. And having freely received, may you freely give in devotion and service to him who has come that you may have life and have it to the full. Amen.